0: Last Sunday, we witnessed eight of our friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ um, get baptized. And it was a glorious day, wasn't it? We saw them plunged, body and soul, into the power and promise of Christ. And we talked about last week how baptism signifies so much that it is an outward demonstration of an inward reality. That it signifies we have died to sin and self and we have been made alive in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And his death is ours. His resurrection is ours. His life is ours. And the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. So one of the highlights for me, of course, was when Sarah Gonzalez decided that she also wanted to be baptized and she had not planned on it and so spontaneously asked if there was room for her. And of course there is. And she said an amazing testimony as she stood up there in the baptismal tank. Um, She said, uh, the Lord had been asking her to submit her past." Present and future to him. And as she was worshiping that morning, Sunday morning, in time of worship, she felt the Lord say, You know, it all has to go. It all has to die. What a powerful realization. How many times do we cling to things that really he just wants to have dead? that he wants to get rid of, but we keep hanging on. And, and she said, God made it clear, it all has to go, it all has to die. And then she said, I don't have what it takes to live a better life, but I know he has so much more for me and I'm here for it, I'm ready for it, I want it, I want what he has for me. What a testimony. I, I listened to it twice more this week. And as I did, it helped me get clear on what I wanted to share the next couple of times that I speak. I'll be going to Kenya in just a few weeks and be there for a couple of weeks teaching at KMTI and then also with our Boy with the Ball team in Nairobi. It's always a wonderful time that I get to have and we'll have Brother Charles here next week and we'll have uh, the Boy with the Ball board, global board here with us the week after. It's a very busy season coming up and before you know it, it'll be Thanksgiving and we'll go into Advent But for the next couple of times that I get to speak, I felt really inspired by what Sarah had shared and felt that I wanted to get clear about some things and challenge us in some things that for all of us, every one of us who's accepted Jesus into our lives, who's invited him in, believed on him in our hearts and confessed him with our mouths and who are submitted to him And who have submitted our past, present, and future and been buried with him and raised with him in newness of life. All of us who are in that category, we are called to know him and to love him by keeping his commandments. Or actually, the keeping of commandments shows that we understand his love. And it motivates us to do what he's called us to do because we've received so much love from him. How could we not? And how each of us are called to walk the same way that Jesus walked. Now, I want to just stop for a moment because maybe that's not you today. Maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus as of yet. Maybe you're questioning Jesus. Maybe you are wondering if it's really all that's promised. And maybe you're seeking and searching, and this place is for you too. Because all this does for you today is pull the curtain back a little bit and let you see what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to entrust yourself to him and invite him in, not just to be the one who saves you, but the one who leads you and guides you and directs you every day of your life. So this message is not just for those who are of the faith, but those who are maybe interested in the faith and it should help us all. What Jesus has called us to is something that John the apostle kind of summarized in one of his epistles. In 1 John 2, he said this, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way as he walked. The same way Jesus showed us how. And then called us to do what he did, to walk the way he walked. Walking in the same way Jesus walked is not only proof that we are who we say we are. It's also only possible if and when we abide in him. And so these two are connected. If you don't abide, you'll never keep the commandments. But by keeping the commandments, you are proving that you're abiding in him. Jesus had a lot to say about this abiding, right? He spoke about this a lot to his disciples. He said in John 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I don't pretend to be a farmer or the caretaker of a vineyard but I'm intrigued with the whole idea of a vineyard. I have shared before that we went to Italy, uh, Don and I did about eight years ago, and we got to go to two different vineyards and I was so intrigued with, the, with all that took place to, to grow these grapes, to tend the vine, to prune and to make sure disease did not encroach upon it. But we have here pictured a vine And we have branches that you can see clearly. And we have fruit, lots of fruit. Look at that vine. It's the big gnarly wooden piece. It's the most heavy, dense piece. It's it's the one that is most rigorous and essential. And then look at the branches. You see the, the lighter brown color or the rusty brown color branch that's coming off of that vine. And that branch is smaller than the bigger vine. It's it's connected to the vine, but it's growing. And from that branch, look at all of that fruit. Look at those leaves coming off vibrant and so big, but not just leaves because leaves you can't eat. Well, I guess you could. But it's not the fruit we're after. Look at those grapes. Jesus said, abide in me and I and you you can't bear fruit unless you're connected to me you can't obey my commands unless you're connected to me you won't do what I've called you to do unless you're connected to me abiding is more than just showing up to church or being a good person or following a golden rule it's staying intimately connected with Jesus, remaining in him, up close and personal, like your life depends on it, because it does. And when you're connected to the vine, there's all manner of vibrancy and nourishment and growth and life and fruit. But when you've separated from the vine, when you've been stripped from the vine, when you've removed yourself from the vine, when you've been cut from the vine, All that awaits you is a slow withering death. And for you to be gathered with all the other dead branches to be burned in a fire. The contrast is stark. When John says we should walk in the same way Jesus walked. It doesn't mean we have to wear sandals and walk on dusty roads. It's not what he's talking about. It means we should reflect the same kind of intimate, abiding relationship that he himself had with his father. It means he shows us how we're to have life by the fact that he stayed so connected to the father and he says to us, that's the kind of relationship you are to have with me. He made clear this relationship he had with his father when he said in John 14, the words that I say, to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He couldn't be any more clear that his effectiveness in walking the planet, doing the will of God, was that the Father was in him and he was in the Father. That's abiding. He, he's basically saying to them, guys, look, I'm not doing this on my own. The Father dwells in me. He's doing it. I, I don't speak my own words. I don't do my own thing. I only speak what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. He is in me. And I am in him. And I'm counting on him every step of the way to be at work and to accomplish his will. Jesus walked in complete, unrelenting, unbroken fellowship and dependence upon the Father who was in him. But honestly, that's one of the hardest things for Christians to figure out how to do. I mean, yes, those that have come to Christ, we have Jesus living in us by the Holy Spirit and he has come to produce in us, to reproduce the effect of his death, and the glories of his resurrection, to live his life in us. But we have a hard time receiving all of that. We have a hard time walking it out. We would prefer to do it on our own. I got this, I can do this. Thanks for the salvation, but I got it from here. Thank you, Lord. We somehow think we have the ability to act apart from him. That God is looking for us somehow like he's helpless and he needs us to perform good things for him and on his behalf. And if we fail, we figure the whole thing's gonna fall apart like he can't handle it. And if we do accomplish something great for God, well, he has us to think for him. That's arrogant. And it's not what we're called to do. It doesn't look towards the dependence of being in him, abiding and remaining in him, it's speaking to independence that I can do it without you. An abiding, unrelenting dependence on the indwelling spirit of God, always at work in us, reproducing that value of his death and that power of his resurrection. That's what abiding, that's what remaining, that's what fellowshipping Jesus looks like. It is complete and utter dependence upon him. And the only way we will be obedient, walking the same way that he did, is if we remain in him where the power of his love is perfected in us. And when we abide in him this way, we start seeing ourselves walking differently, talking differently, acting differently. It's not that we kept these rules so he'd be pleased, it's that we've... Realize we can't live without him and now he is changing us from the inside out. We start seeing ourselves walking in a manner worthy of our call. And start seeing ourselves as walking in step with him, in step with his spirit. We start seeing ourselves walking in the same way Jesus walked, the same way. So that's the introduction to this sermon series. Jay is very excited because he thinks we're going to go long today, but we're not. I do want to look at one particular way that Jesus walked and learn from him how he walked that we might do it just like him. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 5. We're going to read about nine verses. Bible or device, or you can just follow along on the screen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in an Aramaic called Bethesda, or in some versions Bethsaida, which was five roofed, has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now in the margin of your Bible, it probably says something like this. Some manuscripts insert this part, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up take your bed and walk and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked now that day was the Sabbath now I normally don't endorse certain depictions of Jesus walking in film form walking here on the earth Um, there's a lot of them out there but there's a scene in the chosen TV series That is a true depiction. It's not all based in scripture. So let me just give that disclaimer right here. Don't anybody get mad at me now. But there's a scene that is such an amazing depiction of this scene that I'd like for us to watch it right now.
1: This is what all the fuss is about. An oversized mikveh. I have a feeling we haven't seen it all yet. This isn't just a meeting. Do we need to be on the lookout?
0: No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me?
1: Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll
0: get to that later. But my question remains.
1: Will you take me to the water? (laughs) Look,
0: I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time.
1: So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, Look at me. Look at me. That's not what
0: I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way.
1: I'm asking about you. (laughs) I've tried.
0: For a long time, I know, and you don't want false hope again, I understand, but this pool, it has nothing for you, it means nothing, and you know it,
1: but you're still here. So,
0: do you want to be healed?
1: So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. To walk like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life
0: is over. Everything changes now. You're not coming back here. Everything's changed. I love what he said at the beginning. and I know these are not in the Bible, but that's him. The one who's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. In every situation, Jesus walked the planet. He knew what the Father wanted done. And he set out to do it, to say the word, to perform the miracle, to bring the kingdom to bear in people's lives. Henry Blackaby says Jesus was the son of God, yet he never took the initiative to dream a dream or launch a new ministry. He lived his life in absolute dependence upon the father. And we see it here in this scene at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus not doing his own thing, but locking in on one man. One man the father had chosen for this moment. Of course, the video shows that not everybody's happy about it. You notice the Pharisees standing in the background, the religious leaders peering over to see what was happening. They weren't having it. They're like, mm, nuh-uh. we don't do healings on Sabbath. Maybe you should come back the next day. And then they start questioning the man. He's like, I don't know. I, I just, you know. They're mad that he picked up his mat after 38 years of being paralyzed and carried it because he did it on the Sabbath. And then they questioned Jesus, "By whose authority did you decide to do this on the Sabbath to heal this man?" And here's what Jesus said that reinforces the whole idea that Jesus only did what the Father wanted him to do. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. This room is full of sick people but he doesn't heal everybody. He locks in on just one man and he heals him. And and then he says, I only do what the father is doing. Now, there are other times throughout the Bible where Jesus healed everybody. So if you're thinking about a pattern for how things should happen, uh, be prepared to have your mind blown. Because Jesus doesn't always do it the way we think he should do it. He only does what the Father is doing. And he only, at this moment, heals this one man. Now, this is something that we have to get better at. We have to learn what the Father is doing. And that's the first thing I want you to remember from this walking the way Jesus did. We have to ask ourselves, we have to discern, what is the Father doing? As Jesus' disciples, we have that opportunity to know and to walk with him into what he is doing. How? The same way Jesus did. He stayed so close with the Father. The Father was in him, he was in the Father. There was no separation There was no space between them. There was no light between him. They were together. Are we together with him? Do we want to know what the father is doing? Then stay and abide and remain in him. And he will remain in us. This is something we have to get better at, discerning what the Father is doing. It's absolutely critical because as Pastor John Tyson says, we will either have too much confidence and assume we already know what God is doing, or we will have no confidence and assume God is doing nothing. And the goal is to have spiritual precision. I love that phrase. To determine in the moment what exactly the Father is doing. If we're going to walk as Jesus walked, we have to learn to discern what Father is doing. Not what he did yesterday. Not what he did back in my day. What he's doing today. Doing right now in this moment, in this situation with this person. And it's why we focus as a community so much on hearing his voice and living life in the spirit. While we certainly have our marching orders, Jesus gave commands, love God, love others, and go make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is certainly a marching order for each of us as followers of Jesus. But we have to realize that obeying these commands requires the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit helping lead us into all wisdom and truth, speaking to us each step of the way. Not one time 2,000 years ago, but right now, right here, right where you are. And as you respond to his voice and discern what the Father is doing, and you will mess up. We're not perfect here, but it shouldn't keep us from abiding in him more fully so that we can hear what he is doing and join him in his purpose. We need to discern what the Father is doing in our day. This generation, this culture, this world needs a people who know what the Father's doing, who are about the Father's business. So as his disciples, that is our first question. We must learn to ask. If we're gonna walk the way that Jesus walked, we must learn to discern what the Father is doing. But there's a second question that I think we have to ask ourselves. And that is, where is the Father doing it? What is he doing? And where is he doing it? Where has he been working all this time? Because he's working, you know. He's working, you know. Do you know? (laughs) He's at work. We may be too dense and too callous and too insensitive to hear it, but he's at work. We need to learn to know what he's doing and then where he is doing it. When Jesus walked into that colonnade, he not only discerned what the father was doing, but also where it was being done. And namely, in a man, he said, there he is. That's him. The one that's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. I realize that's depiction, but it's good writing, isn't it? Now, come on now. Yeah. I know it's not the Bible, but I kind of like it was. Um. Jesus knew what the Father was doing and where he was doing it. The people who assume that God would have us every time in every place do everything oftentimes interfere with what God wants done. You know the kind. I I mean, I I had someone want me to platform a college evangelist, college campus evangelist one time, and his only approach is to just go and scream at college students and tell them to repent or they're going to go to hell. And I listened to his messages and I thought, he's doing more harm for the kingdom than help. I, I understand that there is an apt word in a right moment when God can use it and it doesn't matter how it's said. But the fact of you're being insensitive and not knowing what the father's doing in their personal lives that are out there, you're preaching to, and you just wanna scream at people and tell them to repent, to turn or burn, I don't think that's what God has in mind for us to preach the gospel. Those that think that they have to do it every way the way they've done it before may be doing more harm than good. As John Tyson said, we have to have spiritual precision. And if we're walking in the Spirit and we're walking according to our calling and we're walking the same way Jesus did, we will be attuned to what God is doing. When Don and I moved to San Antonio in 1998, we pastored a church there and. And God was doing some super things. And some of y'all were in that church, as a matter of fact. And I, I was very excited about what God was doing. It was a great opportunity. And, and God was working and moving. You know, what I found was that he was working in places that I didn't anticipate. And one particular place was the college campuses in that city. Trinity University and University of Texas at San Antonio. And we begin to have students, lots of students, upwards to 100 students start coming to our church. And it all coincided with the Lord giving an opportunity for me to go and start speaking at those campuses. Now, I am not a great speaker. I don't think that that's what happened, but God was doing something and he was doing it someplace I didn't think would be the place I'd be but that's where he was doing it. And if I want to be where the father is doing things, I have to be prepared to go where he's doing it. The last question we need to ask ourselves, what is the father doing and where is he doing it? Is simply, who is the father giving you? Or maybe more appropriately, who is the father writing on your heart? Some leaders were together just a few weeks ago And Jamie was sharing with us this sermon message by Dr. Dow Robinson. Tremendous man of God, a Wycliffe Bible translator. He's gone to be with the Lord. But he was talking about paying attention to those God writes on your heart. Which comes from one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And here's what the verse says in 1 Corinthians 3.2. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Who's written on your heart? Who has God written on your heart? Whose heart are you written on? It sounds like Paul was walking as Jesus had walked. He was discerning what the father was doing. He was discerning where the father was doing it. And he was certainly discerning those God had given him. Those that had been written on his heart. I watched this happen in so many facets of our community. As I mentioned last week, Leo and Angela have leaders in China that they're still connecting with. And when I'm with them, visiting with those and sharing and praying and seeing what the Lord would do, it's so evident that God has written them on the West's heart. And when I see Anna consider going to Lebanon, and hear the call of God and hear him over the course of many years. Knowing what she was made to do and how God has been conditioning and preparing her for it. It is so evident that God has written them on her heart. And When I go to Kenya and teach Bible students, pastors and leaders from that nation. And have had the privilege to do that many years now. And God points out one or two. And he has. I would love to help and stand with all of them, but one or two, one in particular, a young man named Evans, that God wrote on my heart. And for the last several years, Donna and I have been able to support him as he's gotten married and started a family. He was just a poor kid. And now God has raised him up and he is helping lead a church in his small little village, living in a mud hut with a little plot of land, but God is doing such great things. And I think, God wrote him on my heart. Who is written on your heart? Who has God given to you? And who did God give you to? We have to pay attention to these things. So let me ask again, what is the Father doing in your life? in your family, in your friendships, with your co-workers, what is the father doing? How much time do you spend inquiring of him, asking him, abiding in him, that you might be attuned to what the father is doing in the moment that it occurs? What is the father doing? Secondly, where is the father doing it? Is it in your job? Is it in your career path? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in your school? Is it at Sarah Court or Garden Plaza or at an ESL class on Tuesday nights or in a classroom downstairs of a missional school started by Pete? And finally, who is the Father written on your heart? If we're going to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, we have to ask these questions and answer them. We have to know more fully what the father's doing and where he's doing it and who he's given us. Because if he gave us everyone, we probably wouldn't make it. But I have a feeling he gives each of us at least someone and we need to pay attention. Just as Jesus did nothing that the father wasn't doing, And spoke nothing that the father wasn't speaking. May we also follow in the same way that he did. Amen. Amen. My wife is going to come. We're going to pray for you this morning. And believe God to take these things and not only question us with them. But then empower us with his spirit to be able to walk in them.
1: I was reading something earlier this week, and um, this person was describing looking for what God is doing, and she had a phrase that made me laugh. She said, it's not like finding Wally. (laughs) Sometimes we think this act of looking for what God is doing is like finding a needle in a haystack, but the reality is it's finding the needle he's assigned to you in a stack full of needles he's everywhere. He's at work everywhere. Hmm. It's actually not hard to see what he is doing. Hmm. The part that sometimes catches us up is what is he asking me to do? Hmm. What is he asking you to do? That's true. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. And so everywhere we are, the people he's putting on our heart is the people that he wants to bring to himself, to adopt and to his family, because it gives him such great pleasure. So... Sometimes our part is um, loving them on their journey. Sometimes it's helping them get plugged in. Sometimes it's dropping a seed that God will water way after you've walked by. That's right. We don't have to know the end from the beginning because he does. Yes. So let's pray.
0: Yes. Sorry. That's right. Let's pray.
1: Father, your love is compelling. Your love for us compels us. And your love for others compels us.
0: Yes, it does.
1: We want to see where your love is at work. We want to be so so close to you that hearing your voice and watching what you're doing is not hard. And we want to be so submitted to your plan and actions in our lives that doing what you've asked us to do for the people you've written on our hearts is also not hard. Could it be difficult and costly? Absolutely. But there's a joy in what you do that we can get in on Mm -hmm. that will strengthen us to walk in the same way
0: yes lord
1: so father i pray for each of us today that you will be clear about who you've written on our hearts and if there's somebody here who isn't in a place to take up somebody else's burden that you will be clear about who you've written them on their hearts. Yes. That they'll know that there's a real person beyond the love of God who's flesh and blood, who's loving them, who's been sent to them. Mm -hmm. And I pray that we would not throw off whatever it is that you're saying, Lord, but that it would find purchase in our hearts and it would change everything.
0: Yes, God. Lord, I thank you that we can know what you're doing. You don't keep it a secret from us. We oftentimes are too preoccupied to pay attention. Forgive us for that. But Lord, we really earnestly want to know what the Father is doing. And join him in it. We want to walk the same way that Jesus walked. Knowing what he's doing and where he's doing it. Speaking the words that he speaks and doing the things we see him doing. The father was loving. He was saving. He was redeeming. He was sending. He did all those things for us that we Ourselves could receive the life and the love and the light. And now, those things that we see the Father doing, you've called us to go and do. To declare the light and the life and the love of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will help us as a church community to respond to what you're saying. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today that does not know you, that is not surrendered their heart and life to you, It's not bowed their knee to Jesus who has not asked him in to save and to be the king of their heart I pray Lord that today your Holy Spirit will keep speaking keep knocking that they would respond to you Lord, receiving you into their life